So I want to go back to some of the the physiological experiences that you were having, the panic yeah. attacks, the, the the back spasms, and all of those things. Tell us a little bit more about the other areas in your life that were beginning to be impacted as you were experiencing that particular environment during that time. Yeah, period. it was. Um, I am a person who eats when I am stressed. And so weight gain obviously happened because I give me all the carbs, all the sugars. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not con because those are the things momentarily, we know they make you feel good. And so that's, right. you know, I just wanted a big internal hug in the form of a mm -hmm. French fry. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that happened. Um, I was I was already in therapy because kind of prior to all of this beginning, I lost nine family members in 12 months. Wow. And just the, the, the navigating multiple cycles of grief simultaneously was a lot. And so I had already begun therapy dealing with that. And now I'm in therapy, trying to work through these, these grief feelings that I have. But I'm spending the majority of my sessions talking about what's going on at work. So then, you know, now I got to go more in order to yeah. make sure that I'm yeah. getting all of my needs addressed. So there's a financial cost and a time cost, you know, that that um, brings about me. And some, thankfully, they've removed that. But once upon a time, medical insurance companies limited the amount yeah. of therapy sessions yeah. that yeah. that you could have um, in a calendar. In a yeah, yeah, in a calendar or in a plan year. And so yeah. thankfully, shout out. Thanks, Obama. Because mm -hmm. Obama, that is one of the things that Obamacare removed that we don't talk enough about when we lambast over and over again that particular piece of legislation. But right. um, so that happened. I was in physical therapy um, trying to figure out what was going on with my back. Mm -hmm. um, and then I eventually ended up on medication because of the anxiety and panic attacks um, that I was having. Yeah. Having, you know, having to interact with those people in that in and of itself, it's like, wow, I'm here. I am feeling like I'm managing my stress, you know, and my mental stress without having to be medicated. And now like part of that feels like its own defeat to yeah. now. And, you know, the stigmas that go yeah. along with black people yeah. and medication. So yeah. part of that feels like it, it, a defeat in that um, circumstance. And so, you know, it's, it's the loss of interest in activities. It's, you know, everything that goes along with it. I went through phases where I really didn't want to be around people, um, particularly like I would like reunions and things like that. Like I stopped going to homecomings and those sorts of things. My 20th high school reunion, I forced myself to go and I was completely anxious the entire time because I knew that people were looking at me and seeing my weight gain and not knowing yeah, what's behind what was, it. Yeah, what was behind yeah. it. Yeah. But I didn't want to miss the experience. So I made myself go. But then it ended up being its own source of like, ugh. but you know what? Now I'm glad I did it. And it is what it is. But yeah, like all of that was yeah. happening. And you don't people don't realize that this is happening to people all over the world and yeah. all and all in all of our workplaces and how again completely unhealthy it was and I was not alone in that like I had co-workers that were experiencing similar things um insomnia 
and um, weight loss, weight gain, like all of those sorts hair of loss. symptoms, hair loss. And here's what's really funny. I was also not funny, haha, but ironic funny. I was also responsible for um, our health benefits plans. And so because we were a large organization, I get to see utilization. And I'm seeing in the utilization within our prescriptions surrounding mental health meds have gone up. Our prescriptions surrounding pain medications have gone up organization wide, you know, while all of this is going on and our brokers, wellness people were coming to us in our meetings to talk about renewal and talking about, you know, how we better our statistics health-wise to say, what's going on in your population? Because because they're costing us money at this point. Right, right. And it's like, um, like, yeah, we, there's some, there's some issues happening here because we're seeing that, and I'm sitting in the meetings like, sips tea because I know, you know, I know that this is, and here's, you know, and I say, and I've said this in things that I've written, when you have access to that type of data um, within your organization, it's a thing to watch. It's a, it's a, it's a definite indicator. When you start seeing EAP usage going up, when you start seeing mental health medications, um, pain related medications going up, on a wide swap across your organization, that is indicative of toxic culture. And we don't, you know, we don't pay enough attention to that. I just learned something new today. I would have never thought that you can actually look at the healthcare utilization of an organization to begin to fill in the gaps of how your employees are feeling in yeah. the workplace is it's not outliers. It sounds no. like what you're saying. It's not outliers. This is consistently across, across the board. organization, we, across levels within, you know, here over the years. Like this is not this is not an accident. This is indicative right. of something going on. When you're seeing it across age demographics, across race and gender identity, when you're seeing all of this is going on, this is not. These are not isolated incidents. You know, this is not one employee. It's not like you can say, oh, well, our claims went up because we had someone who had cancer or we had someone had, you know, a premature birth or something like that. And you see an automatic, a catastrophic injury of some sort. And you see an automatic rise in, you know, claims in in a particular area because you know that this happened in your population when suddenly everybody on mental health medication and everybody is having issues EAPs. Yeah. everybody's in physical therapy everybody's in in mental health therapy what is what's happening right right what's right. the whole the whole population no that's something right. wrong with the org there's something, something wrong, wrong with the org that's indicative of the org i hope i, I i'm i'm making a note of that because that is some that is an area that i would have never actually looked at and as when we're talking about looking at the data within the organization mm-hmm. if you want to look at the inequity and in, in, um lack of inclusion and what's happening look at also the insurance yeah. utilization pull your usage. Of, yeah pull, pull, your pull usage. Your usage and get and get a bit of the story of what's happening here and your it, organization i will tell you know for listeners who may not know your organization has to be a hundred lives or greater so you have to have at least a hundred people 
on your plan in order for the organization to be entitled to view that data and you view it in aggregate. So you can't really see who's who, but you know that there are five people on this drug and these are the ages, you know, so you're mm-hmm. viewing it in, in, in demographic. Yeah. But when you, t- whether you 25 or 55, it, it something wrong. Yeah. When yeah. it's in every demographic, something wrong, something and right. that that is cultural. It is not because these are not people, particularly when you're dealing with our organization was very geographically dispersed. So this isn't an issue of, oh, we have, you know, everybody is in one particular area. It's not like COVID where you can say, well, right. everybody is going through a pandemic. And so, of course, you would expect this to happen, you know, at this particular time, there's an economic depression in this area, or there's some sort of, you know, catastrophic incident within the community. Mm -mm. These are people spread out all across the United States. Everybody messed up? No. Yeah. Yeah. The organization is messed up. The organization is messed up. That is a great point. That is absolutely a great point to highlight. And also understanding when you're looking at things in aggregate, confidentiality is still protected as you said mm-hmm. and, I, and I want that to be um to re- to reiterate if you, if the organization is able to, to look at the utilization of their healthcare plans that though there are no names that's actually attached no, to that no they're not you don't know who you just knowing within your population as data. a whole and you yeah. may get age and race if your brokerage and your health insurance company if they track that kind of data you can get right age and race and and general geographic location like they're not going to say North Carolina but they'll say middle Atlantic so you know right, that it's your employees right. in this area and we give that information in order to specialize to focus in on wellness so that you can offer programs to that version of your population of, suggestions of your population. to them yeah suggestions of things that you can do ways that you can support and so forth. That's what the the information is there for. But so many organizations just skip on by it. And to your point, they don't use it as a tool to know what is happening inside the organization itself. Like they don't use it as a as a thermometer that tells oh. you the the temperature of your organization's culture. They isolate it as as being There's completely a- separate from that. There's a lot of, um, it's, a, it's a huge trend of gatekeeping when it comes to data in mm-hmm. organizations. Yes. Um, it, the data does not lie uh, for what you're able to gather. And I think that that is the tell all of actually the, the, the fear of looking at yourself as an organization. If, if you were to flip that in a different way, especially when you're talking about wellness, this is how you can track the wellness of your organization as yeah. well, too. This is how mm-hmm. you can begin to do either single method or multi-method ev- evaluations or surveys or assessments or method collection to mm-hmm. find out, okay, so what is going on here? How do we, so we see that this is happening. Perhaps we need to put out something to our employees so they can give us a little bit more feedback and then begin to track with the hopes of it being a downward Mm-hmm. trend that you're looking for because yeah. if it's a downward trend it means that you're increasing employee wellness yeah and, and when you increase or- employee wellness they tend they are more satisfied with their jobs they are more productive in the work that they do they are healthier so they don't have claims and they don't have you know their pharma any sort of pharmaceutical dependencies because pharmacy pharmacy claims are claims when you're talking mm-hmm. about just the same way as if you went to the hospital a pharmacy claim yeah. is a claim so yeah. you have you know all of that and then that should reduce rates that you then have to pay 
pay as an organization for your health care, which means that you can charge your employees less of what comes out of their paycheck. So they're saving money. They're, there's so much benefit, you know, to yeah. all of those sorts of things. And when you start looking at, when you put humanity back at the forefront and you start looking at your employees as whole and holistic individuals, then you're able to do that. But when you're just focused on as an organization surviving mm-hmm. um, and as an organization, you know, being profitable by any means necessary, then you're not as concerned about those. Well, things. I think I think that we're getting a, a huge lesson. I, I think that I've tell I've tell a lot of people when I'm having conversation about um, I also say therapy is not the answer for what that what happens in workplace. It can help you bridge the gap as you're figuring mm-hmm. out what's happening. But when we talk about the workplace, we're actually talking about something that's so big and so systemic, mm-hmm. which I think the great resignation has been a great answer towards that because it is calling forth whether organizations are going to be prepared to deal with it or not, is to call mm-hmm. forth back the humanity of people mm-hmm. in the workplace. It's it's a reckoning of organizations having to re-look at yeah. themselves, understanding yeah. that the way that they have been doing leadership wasn't working back then but now you have a, a great migration of people saying no no we don't have to be here we don't have to deal with this mm-hmm. you know we, we deserve better we deserve rest mm-hmm. we deserve balance we deserve to live our lives mm-hmm. and leaderships are actually leadership within organizations are actually having a difficult time responding to this because it's been that just that I am the boss of this and this is how you're going to do things and and workers are figuring out their value yeah it's a it's a it's it's yeah it's been a lovely like lesson in like what anti-capitalism in action can actually be Mm -hmm. and I am here for it um I'm absolutely here for it I think so first of all and I know this doesn't have anything to do with our actual conversation but we as uh, culture, particularly in the United States, because other countries, which is why their COVID cases are going down, they did a bu- much better job at managing shutdown and what that really meant. We we mm-hmm. did not have not, and it don't look like we going to. No. That said, um, we have gotten very comfortable with access to things at all times and all hours. I remember in my childhood their that stores were actually closed you know what I'm saying that that they closed and they closed at reasonable hours we're used to things being open at two three o'clock in the morning you know or that I can order something and it be on my doorstop the next day and so making people adjust to the fact that you can't just snap your fingers and have something appear or walk out your you know, neighborhood and have access to food services, whatever it may be, was an important lesson because there are people that are required to make that happen, to make that go. And and those people deserve dignity in their work. They deserve fair wages that allow them to live comfortably and they deserve rest. Those are things that we all deserve and organizations have to, I think if organizations are going to survive this great resignation, they're going to have to 
embrace those three things for their workforces or they are going to find themselves in a perpetual cycle of resignations Um, and to the point and when word gets out because it it does like people talk um, and that's what not just, you know, Glassdoor, but social media and, you know, all those word things. Of mouth. The yeah. word of mouth. The word yeah. will get out and people will not come work for your organization because of it. Um, yeah. There, You know, I can remember in, in my pre, in the job that we've been talking about, our job ads at a certain point would get flagged on because people would see it and they'd be like, don't, don't, you know, this is not a good place to work for like we would get calls from indeed and career builder like we got a report of x y and z happening at your company and we've paused your job ads because we need you to demonstrate to us that this is not you know this this unethical practice is not going on like that's 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 a reality those things are happening today and um you can you know you be that employer if you want to but you're going to have a really hard time with your business surviving and thriving, yeah. treating people in any old kind of way. It's not. And particularly as we watch Gen Z start to take hold of this workforce, these babies. What a gift. What, what a, a gift. gift. I, listen, a gift this generation y'all thought millennials been. was bad. Y'all don't even no, know. Y'all don't, they was just like, hold my beer. Yeah, it, it, y'all don't Gen, even know. I feel Gen like Z. such a proud auntie every time yes. I watch somebody yes. from Gen Z just like completely go off. I, yeah. I don't know if you saw the thing that was trending um, on Instagram and Twitter this week about the, the Gen, and I say kid because it's the early 20s that texted their boss and said, this job is giving shackles. I quit. <gasps> shackles! That is great! <laughs> like, it's, giving, it's giving shackles. I it's can't giving shackles. I quit. Yeah. I quit. Yep. That's, that's the energy. Like y'all so, thought they all, y'all keep talking about millennials are in their thirties now. Like, sorry so, to break it to you. It's, it's Gen Z. Gen Z is about to show yep, up and show yep. out. Gen Z is is showing up, not even about to, they are actually doing it. They are mm-hmm. actually putting those things to work that says 40 plus years at a job and then I'm leaving. No, mm-hmm. no, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. But but also we we know and, and data shows this, the research shows this, is that innovation drives productivity and yes. And the, the the success of a business. Yes. So what does it say when you're when your younger generation that that's coming with the next wave of innovation? You're losing the talent before they even before get they the even door. get a chance to get. They don't. Mm-hmm. Get, they're coming with the next best thing, the next big thing mm-hmm. that your organization leaves, and because you are committed to an antiquated way of wanting to run your organization, you're going to fall behind this race yeah and the other thing too is that innovation cannot thrive in chaos innovation cannot thrive in like stress and oppression and all of those sorts of things you cannot be creative in an environment where you don't feel safe and so these practices forget who you hiring and new these practices are hurting the people who are already there They may not like our generation, unless you are actively involved in this work in some kind of way, you know, you're studying workplace culture, 
you're working with clients the way that you do, like unless you're actively in this work, doesn't necessarily, we don't uh, on a regular basis, don't really have words for, Mm -hmm. you know, what a lot of this is, unless you do this work, but we know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to go to work and feel that those eyes on you and, Mm -hmm. and to feel like I, I am not, I don't feel good. You know, we called it micromanaging. We called Mm -hmm. it, you know, politics. Like we had all of these other, we have all these other words for what we call it. Um, Mm -hmm. But the reality, but now the word is that it's toxic culture. Yeah. And people cannot thrive in toxic culture and you cannot create new ideas. You can't get the innovation. You don't have. Yeah. When you don't have psychological safety. safety. Yeah. When you don't have psychological safety and you don't have the emotional or mental capacity Capacity to do it. actually be in there because at that point everything is exhaustion yep. wanting to leave is fear driven yep and it's just a recreating so this again this is what I'm talking with with my clients about mm-hmm. this that are in these spaces and why it's okay to leave, leave. and ultimately you. that's what it's, I did the you yeah. know for me was that I I I exited you know, in 2019, and, you parted ways with the company. Mm-hmm. So since then, how have you been? It since has been, that organization? it has been a journey to healing. And I'm, and when I say I'm still on in many ways, because yeah. the, the PTSD of that lingers with you for a very long time. Yes. Um, as it does with can all I, Can I us. interrupt really quickly? Mm-hmm. I want to also qualify when we're talking about PTSD, it, one of the, the criteria for that, if I'm just going straight clinical in this moment, mm-hmm. it's real or perceived threat. Yeah. Yeah. Real or perceived threat. So we're going back to what we talked about earlier about being in, uh, being in an environment where it's actually happening. You can quantify that it's happening in that real space, but also making a decision to go to a different environment can also bring on the triggering of, or, or the, the response of perceived threat yeah. would still keep you there. So it's a real or perceived threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that healing yourself from that and learning how to manage yourself when, the, when, the, when you do perceive a threat th- that isn't real, and how you regulate yourself um, yep. when you deal with that is very, it takes time. You know, it, it takes take time. time. I can say that I'm better. Um, and I can say that a lot of like the physiological effect, like I, it was, my body was so inflamed from the prolonged stress that I felt in that environment that I had swelling in, you know, my hands and joints. I eventually got like rashes and things. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say I went to every spot, like they really thought I had something like autoimmune. Like I went, mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. cancer. Like they were like, is it a cancer? Is it an autoimmune disease? Like they had yeah. no idea what was going on with me. It and was after- simply stress. Yeah, after months wow. and months of evaluations and specialists and feeling like a pincushion with all the blood that was drawn to, you know, blood and swabs and all sorts of all the fluids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of all of that, it's stress. And so yeah. my focus really since then has been on working in a way that's not going to continue to cause me 
those levels of stress. And I'm happy to say that I found that with my current employer, um, this move to, because one of the things that I realized is that, and why being in the consulting space is so good for me, is that I need to be able to, I, I don't, work, I I no longer can function well. I'll say it that way. I no longer can function well in an environment where I am tied to the outcomes of the organization's culture. Yeah. Yes. So if I'm in, if I'm in the seat of HR inside the organization, and I can tell by the data that because that we're not treating our employees well, that the culture is not a healthy one, I, there, that level of responsibility that I feel to, to take care of people, because that's a part of my job as, as human resources, um, I, can't, I can't thrive, you know, yeah. in, in that sort of situation. Um, and so it is best for me being in a consultant role where I can give the advice and then I can step away from it. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not tied to that yeah. organization and, and what they do with the advice that I give them in the way that I am when I'm actually a part of the yeah. organization. Because if I'm if a manager does something and I say we need to do this, this and this and they don't follow that advice there's there's a part of me that internalizes Uh that good bad or otherwise that's you know how I'm reacting and there's a feeling of personal rejection and again it's that triggering it's that is something wrong with me is this because I'm a woman is this because I'm black is this because I'm now I have disability is this because I'm over 40 is this because like what is it you know what is the thing and I'm trying to figure out the quote-unquote what's wrong with me what yeah, type, the what mental type gymnastics of yeah that. the mental gymnastics of what discrimination am I facing today like spin the wheel <laughs> what is it what right, is it today right. that what I'm it dealing today? with um I don't I'm I can't thrive in that sort of environment what I'm hearing you say and I'm, and I'm hoping that the that the audience is really catching on to that is that when we're going when we're wanting to transition in in out of places of toxicity or out of working environments, it can be just work or any other place. And a lot of this is also redefining what works and aligns for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And, and and we and we don't talk about that enough. We don't mm-hmm. talk about that there is actually a redefining of what's really in alignment of what works well for us, mm-hmm. which there's a grief that can come to that because there are yes. a lot of people that have a trajectory of how they see their careers oh, being. Oh, for sure. That understanding or how their careers are going to go and what they would like to um to accomplish, and that being railroaded with the isms and mm-hmm. the toxic culture, mm-hmm. and then having to make a pivot and make an adjustment into what does life now look like for me? Yeah. Because I've had these experiences. I can't ignore these experiences anymore. I'm also dealing with the trauma of being afraid to try somewhere else. I have to grieve the fantasy of what I set up for myself. And then I yeah. have to make a pivot yeah. and redefine what um what an enjoyable working relationship looks like for me, mm-hmm. which it sounds like that you had to do for yourself as part yeah. of your healing work as well, yeah. too. You for were very sure. clear and says, I don't thrive in an organization where I'm attached to that, to yeah. their outcomes. Yeah. That's that. That's huge because yeah. we'll because we'll, we'll spend a long time and 
you know, one of the things that's oftentimes explored or 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 um, celebrated in Black culture, and it could be in other cultures, is our resiliency mm-hmm. and, and wanting and always having to make the square peg fit through the round hole, mm-hmm. not understanding that that's never meant that's never the way that we were meant to live. I, yeah. sh- I have a very I have a, a love hate relationship even in my clinical work around the, the the word resiliency. Resiliency in how I see it. Is a is a stress response that's only meant to be activated for a temporary period of time. Yes. So this this is a thing that has been cloaked on Black culture, specifically Black mm-hmm. women. Ergo, the superwoman syndrome that we deal mm-hmm. with in our culture. That resiliency not only is something that we're supposed to do as Black women, but it's celebrated. Yeah. It's celebrated in a mm-hmm. way not understanding what is. What the cost is to you? The cost of that is for Mm -hmm. us mentally and emotionally and how that shows up in our bodies. Mm -hmm. When you attach reward to something like that, Mm-hmm. it's it's immediately you're going you're heading in the wrong direction yeah and the other thing yeah. is that the there the flip side of that then becomes a shame that you feel when, when i can't do. when you can't res, when you can't bounce back when you can't and, bounce back and then that it. limits you from being able to get the help and support you need because you're afraid to speak up because you feel like something is wrong with you that you can't just bounce back from the thing the way that everyone expects you to that's right that's right and what your body is actually telling you is that you weren't meant to bounce back for this we're shutting you down for Mm -hmm. a week go sit down go lay down (laughs) i love that the body is telling you that's what your body's telling you. I mean, you burn your, your you burn your adrenals. You have mm-hmm. an overload of cortisone in your system. We are not meant to be in that state, but we are in a culture that celebrates women like us mm-hmm. being in operating at that pace. So when stress comes, mm-hmm. the threshold is oftentimes so high you couldn't see the heart attack coming. But five yeah. years ago, you already started to have the symptoms. Yeah, yeah, but for but, sure. but but the capacity unfortunately to to experience that is so large that when it hits us when the body begins to react it hits us hard yeah yeah it hits us so hard yeah i i, I struggle with that i don't i don't want to be celebrated for what you know for resiliency because that's no not how, that's I, not my natural yeah me and resilience have broken up and I, we're not getting back together not to, yeah, I, yeah because i did i agree that I I fought to be resilient I fought to keep trying to find a way in right yeah um and that's where that resiliency tells you to do that there's a way there's a way I gotta make a way Mm -mm, because the way Mm -hmm. is out that's the way like the the way way is out yeah and and that is completely okay okay and permission to say it's okay to leave yeah Yeah. and learning to make that, you know, make that okay for yourself to tell the story so that it makes it okay for others is really critical for me in the work that I do now. And I have a lot of conversation around, like in the coaching that I do with the clients that I work with and in the organization that I serve now about like, how are we going to, for the, the people who work here, And for the people that I work with, like, how are we making time for rest? How are we making, you know, how are we honoring the natural boundaries that people should be having between their work life and 
their home life like what are, how are we we need to enforce that with the same enthusiasm that we enforce everything else you know that matters to us in our organization what are you doing sending me emails at two o'clock in the morning go lay down Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that needs to be just as important. Um, and for mm-hmm. me, it is, you know, at yeah. this stage in my career, yeah. as I look at, because I got easy another, you know, 15, 20 years in the workforce barring right, right. me, you know, hitting the lottery or something. Right. So knowing that that's the case, like I, I'm thinking very heavily about legacy and mm-hmm. what I want to leave behind for others through yeah the work that I do, the word, you know, the words that I write podcasts like this, like I, when I'm, you know, when I'm not doing this anymore and people hear of me, you know, I want that message to resonate loud and clear in a way that I knew I couldn't say 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like our work is very similarly aligned in that Mm -hmm. way. I think a lot about um, just as a therapist, I spend a lot of time focusing on self, mm-hmm. um, self, self-awareness and discovery and decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the, the way in which we are taught that we only have one right decision that we can make, which can actually stifle us from making any decision yeah. at all. Yeah. And, and I really work with my clients and understanding that there are multiple decisions that we can make at any given time. We can mm-hmm. pivot anytime that we want to. Anytime that we want to. Yes. We absolutely want to. We can make a pivot, but we, but we're not giving that. We don't, we haven't been given that type of messaging mm-hmm. and we, we're, and we're not giving the space of processing we, mm-hmm. we are always given the tool of pushing through mm-hmm. so when if you're working if anybody's work with me or anybody that's ever worked with me they know that we spend a lot of time slowing things down so you can actually hear and feel somatically mm-hmm. what's coming up for you because your answers le- they reside in that place yeah the answers yeah. to your next best thing reside in what you can feel in in what's happening in your system mm-hmm. and so and, and so that's the legacy that I want to leave in this work as well too is that I want you to have permission to to slow down yeah. and to actually feel some things and to begin to redefine the narrative of your wellness yeah. and to and to and to go lay down and to and to understand that we do have soft spaces you mm-hmm. know that, that that we deserve to land in yeah. versus being celebrated for resiliency that's that's stressing our complete system yeah yeah and that is why I (laughs) am happy to announce to the listening audience that Charlie Pleasant is coming on as our expert in residence (laughs) on (laughs) wellness for the second season of the inclusion crusade so she and i are going to be getting together once a month like this and taking some hot topics ripped from the headlines kind of things and also ripped from the gram and the twitters because yes um and the linkedin and all of those ripped from the social media streets um of stories of what's going on in the workplace looking at it from a DEI lens, looking at it from a holistic wellness lens Mm -hmm. and talking about ways that we can continue to make workplaces better, safer, 
psychologically and otherwise for employees. And so I am so happy to have her in the chair alongside me as we go on this journey together. And I know that you all loved her as a guest um, every time that I've had her on both of my shows. And so we just going to keep giving this voice to you because yeah, we're going to keep giving it to the people. Yes. Because this is what what they want. Yes. This this is is what what we want. want. This is what they need for sure. This is what we need. This is exactly what we need. So I am excited to be in-house with Sarah. I'm excited to be in-house with Inclusion um, Crusade. I am looking forward to hearing from all of you if there are areas that you want to touch on, if there are specific areas in your workplace, feel free to um, hit either one of us up. I'll be sharing all of my information with um, contact information with Sarah. Um, You can also check me out in my work over at www.charliepleasantlcsw.com. And just kind of see the work that I do. I'll be updating my website continuously as we grow. But I am, I'm happy to be in this space. Wellness is the, I feel like it's the last frontier that's been left out. Wellness in a in, in a very intentional way, not in a, in a reactionary way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like really something is wrong with me. I have to right, fight my right. way to, at that point, you, you are already, you are in illness, not well. Right, right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to prevent the illness here. We're, we're trying to stab that off and, and, and live in, in, in wellness because we do deserve that, that that's what, what is owed to us. For so sure. I'm excited to really be so intentional about having these conversations and and offering some perspectives. I hope my hope is to offer some perspectives that have you thinking deeply about some things. Um, I, I tell my clients and people that I coach, I lead from questions. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the best crafted questions are the, that can it can get us to the answers versus having an answer for everything. Yep. Sometimes I don't have answers for everything, but I might no. have a good question that can get us into a different direction yep. towards yep. getting there. So I'm excited. I am excited too. And I want to thank you for this interview, for getting me through. You asked me some stuff and took us in some directions that I wasn't even expecting and got me to share some things that I did not intend to. So that was excellent. And thank you for agreeing to join me on this crusade for inclusion and for better workplaces as a part of the HR Happy Hour Network. So I want to thank you all for listening to our latest conversation. Again, we will be back again next month to do this all over and to talk some more. And in the meanwhile, if you have questions, the start by reaching out to me at hello at buzzerooneyllc.com. Let's let that start to be the place until we get our own uh email address and everything set up, but start, start with that and send us your questions. What do you want to hear us talk about? Um, And you can, of course, always hit us up on social media. Um, I'm at the buzz on HR on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Um, Charlie, you give us your handle. So on uh, Twitter, Instagram, I am on TikTok because I have been having a ball with the kids over here. Do you understand? (laughs) I'm having, I'm having a ball on TikTok, but I'm at Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook and TikTok all at Charlie Pleasant LCSW. There you go. So you can hit either one of us up or send send an email to hello at buzzerooneyllc.com with your questions and your suggestions of what it is that we should be tackling next. And we look forward to hearing from you. And I thank you. Yes. And I thank you once again 
for listening to this latest episode of the Inclusion Crusade brought to you by the HR Happy Hour Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.